0: good morning good evening good afternoon everybody out there in podcast land you are in tune to another episode of intrinsic motivation from a homies perspective this is Hamza and I am super excited for our guest today Uh, for longtime listeners of the show you know we we try to cover the gamut we have woo woo we have uh, science-based and everything in between and I believe our guest is actually going to merge those two together wonderfully and I'd like to tell a little bit about her story before we bring her on uh, because I found it quite interesting, and I think there's nothing better than this introduction uh, about her background. And so within a three-year period, she experienced the deaths of her mother, her son, and her husband in separate automobile accidents. And while she had studied shamanism before her son's accident, she and her husband actually experienced their son's consciousness after his death for an extended period of time. And these experiences completely changed their lives. It, it actually was the impetus for her first book, The Miracle of Death There is Nothing But Life. And it talks about the altered states of, con- uh, of consciousness. And after her retirement, she began an intensified period of research into our ancestors' experience on a vaster consciousness, the cosmic or Christ consciousness, which she relates in her book, uh, The Merchants of Light, the consciousness that is changing the world, which became the winner of the Nautilus Silver Book Award and the Scientific and Medical Network 2019 Book Prize. And so, some people rest on our laurels in 2019 and right off to the sunset. Not our guest. Her latest book is The Miracle of Death There is Nothing But Life. I'm sure you're tired of me yapping on because you want to hear about this wonderful author that we have, Dr. Betty Kovach. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Betty.
1: Thank you, Hamza. Thank you.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Um, I, I was really interested in speaking with you because like I mentioned, we do try to cover the gamut. And from an intrinsic motivation, it's where you can get it. And with your background, you have a traditional background, but you also are in this world where we would consider you know, some would consider woo woo, I think in 2020, or maybe the next couple of years, woo woo <laughs> will not have the <laughs> slight frown. I think it'll become more mainstream. It seems like it's picking up steam, and it seems like you're in the right place at the right time, as we all are.
1: <laughs> yes. Well, yes. I think since the discovery of quantum physics in the early part of the last century, uh, woo woo was on its way out. <laughs> now, <laughs> even a lot of scientists haven't really realized that because. Scientists are very focused on special uh, experimentation, special aspects of reality. But the scientists all around the world for the last 50 or 60 years have been discovering. Uh, connections and relationships that uh, the earlier science had not known until the development of quantum physics and the very people who discovered quantum physics knew that there was a new science (laughs) in the horizon because they knew that they could not understand this science unless they went to the sacred text of the past they did they couldn't figure it all out but scientists today are uh, we're told that it usually takes a hundred years for a new worldview to emerge. We don't have that kind of time. We need to know the complete changes, you might say, that are necessary in our worldview in order to survive, but also in order to remember who we are. So, uh, and the the award that was given to the book, the Scientific and Medical Network, uh, just as an example, since when uh, quantum physics uh, had been around for a little while, few scientists in the UK got together and said, you know, we have always studied matter because that's what our worldview was there's nothing but matter now with quantum physics we have to study consciousness and so they formed the organization scientific and medical network and they bring together scientists and visionaries and so I was very pleased that the book did receive that award I just heard the other day that the organization has had as members six quantum Nobel Prize winners in fact uh, Penrose uh, who's just been awarded the prize uh, is a member now so it's a it's a very prestigious organization because it's up-to-date it brings mm-hmm. together what belongs together and always has and in the ancient world our ancestors knew that and they were shamans and mystics and if they had the time to develop they were scientists
0: absolutely and, and thanks for the intro for that. Uh, it kind of gives a good framework to give the barrage of questions that I have for you, of course oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> because when you mention the hundred years uh, on the surface that that sounds great uh, I'll just r- kind of give you a play for this one um in your in your bio, you talk about that these conversations have happened throughout time. And I want to get your take on why does it why do we seem to get inklings of it or it seems like there was a full immersion then there's lost information and then it comes back so what is your take on these cycles and why don't we have the continuity
1: that's a good question Uh, what I uh, show in merchants of light is that it's a natural Way of developing is you know we we are born and we have certain kinds and limited consciousness as children and we gradually grow and develop and our ancestors from 40,000 BCE began to realize that the consciousness that we have as an adult uh, can be wonderful. I mean, we can do many things, discover many things, uh, dream, and they integrated those dreams and took them seriously because they wouldn't have put it in these words, but they had an an intuitive understanding of the fact that dreams are from the soul they're from another we would say today from another part of the brain the symbolic brain and so they took it seriously but then they kept on uh, in their development and they developed rituals and ways of actually triggering a larger we might call it altered state of consciousness or a vaster consciousness and we now know that many of the rituals which they did which appear to us rather repetitive but that they actually triggered a, a slow brain wave that integrated the various brain components with the heart and that that did release a vaster a consciousness. I think what has happened is that sometimes just through the vicissitudes of history, we lose those techniques and that knowledge, that ordinary consciousness to go to the grocery store and cook dinner and have a profession is... Is wonderful, but there's something beyond that, and we sometimes have forgotten that. But there are other reasons, and I stress this in the book. When people want power over others, when they don't have these techniques and they forget who they are and they don't develop what is within them, they tend to want power over others, and they don't have it over themselves or within themselves. And they brutally, in many cases, suppressed and repressed. This ancient knowledge so there were cultures and in the book I I talk about major cultures that were shaman mystic scientist cultures but once the Roman Church had developed it it, uh, suppressed it uh, severely for hundreds of years and I might add that the reason we have a materialistic science is not because the scientists uh, were insisting on it because it's 1600 there was quite a, an emergence a renaissance you might say in europe going all the way from london through heidelberg and germany into the old bohemia and prague and those uh scientists were engineers mathematicians visionaries mystics and they brought it all together in the way that you explained in your introduction, they saw that, of course, it's a unity. Once you have an experience of the universe, you want to know from the rational conceptual brain, how does that work, and uh, to understand it in that way. So in 1600, they were going strong. In fact, it was those scientists and visionaries and mystics who gave mathematics to the Western world as a way of... Uh, evaluating and understanding reality and that's what's often not known but at any rate they were uh, doing many interesting things but by 1620 the church closed it down destroyed destroyed their power and their tax and their um, their scientific studies In fact, it was so destroyed that we didn't even know that they existed until the last century when Frances Yates at the Warburg Institute in England started discovering pieces of it. And she said it was like peeling an onion, getting down to this extraordinary uh, culture that had tried to bring all of this together. Well, it was over in 1620. There were the Thirty Years' War, Protestants, Catholics fighting each other. And then in 1660, the Royal Society for Scientists was uh, established in England. But no scientist could study anything but matter if they expected to live. And it's kind of interesting that it was the power of the church which actually uh, suppressed our ability to go inward and be in touch with soul and the state always with them. So I think I hope my book would would help us to realize who we really are. Every single individual has the capacity to achieve this consciousness. Mm-hmm. We just need to remember who we are, and and so sure. we can be so susceptible to out, outside powers.
0: Well, I, I think that's where the synchronicity comes in, because, like you said, if I'm just going along my natural life of. It's something just very simple, but I, I feel this nagging of there has to be more. Yeah. You know, I that's kind of the cycle that it feels like. It but since that happens, it, it made me want to ask you that it usually takes a hundred years for the development and we need it now more than ever. But I had taken it from your statement that it was more of we have a, a finite time of uh, amount of time to do something. And yeah. With quantum physics, is that really the case?
1: I I think that it's very important that we respond to that nagging feeling <laughs> that there must be more. I had that same thing too as a child, mm-hmm. uh, and throughout my life, and I didn't know how to fulfill it except by going to school. And then the university had the, that old world view, <laughs> but I kept looking and looking. What I mean by time is that in the past it has taken us a long time to absorb new discovery and realize their implications but now there are so many uh reasons why we need to know that now if first of all there's the climate problem and we only have so much time uh to address that uh but there there are other reasons when we look at our failure to know who we are and to develop beyond ordinary consciousness we have created a world in which we're fighting killing each other uh lying uh distorting all kinds of reality uh making money from things that kill other people we've lost that uh, essence of the soul, that we' are all one, and that if we work together, we can create a sustainable and beautiful loving world. And I think that's what the time uh, question is it's it's crucial. Uh, before we disorient ourselves and the planet, you know, that we realize, hey, wait a minute, you know, the old worldview isn't, isn't true. It's absolutely not true. We are not a fluke of nature with no meaning and purpose, and that there's nothing but matter, and when we're dead, we're dead. That is completely false. And quantum physics shows us how it's false. And I think that the faster we can begin to get a a grip on that, an understanding of that. And usually that, certainly it comes through scientific uh, investigation and knowledge, but it really comes when we have an experience, because experience is an equally valued way of knowing reality. Mm -hmm. And I have to say that I spent so much of my life studying, but, i didn 't have the experiences. I did have the dreams, and I really followed my dreams carefully and they did guide me but uh, i in fact, when I taught mythology, I would say to the students in studying mythology, we can see that very movement from ordinary consciousness to a much more evolved consciousness in which you suddenly realize that everything is one and that we are all a part of this divine creation and loving creation and each of us is creative and immortal but i just have to say to the students this is credible because every mythology has it i haven't experienced it but i think we just have to hold in our minds that it's possible because so many people have created uh, experienced it and it was uh, after the death of of our son that both my husband and i experienced uh not only his consciousness but so much more in terms of of reality beyond the material.
0: Sure, and I, I do definitely. I don't want to gloss over that point with the relationship and as the the continuity of relationship even after the temporal body. Uh, but before going into that, I did want to talk about or highlight. Uh, Elon Musk uh, because he you know he's a big popular person today depending on outside of his zaniness but uh, you know he has the popular car Tesla and a hundred years ago Nikola Tesla had discovered a lot of this quantum physics uh, realm that we're talking about and it wasn't until after he died that that information had gone underground and it was exploited and so when you say uh, today everyone needs to have it Uh, it seems like the people that are holding control over over the masses would lose that so and it seems like that's where the where this uh, the sacred text of the past always goes away and how do you see that unfolding and in 2020 wouldn't it be wouldn't the powers that be or the materialization say you can only hear it not from dr. Betty Kovacs who's had the experience but from this identified scientist that we have vetted
1: yes well Tesla was uh, an incredible uh, person uh, he felt it's interesting I I haven't studied him thoroughly but the uh, what I do know about him is that he evidently felt that he was from another world <laughs> you know mm-hmm. he he had so much experience of that but he was suppressed too mm-hmm. uh, it's it's very typical that people who are way, way ahead of their time uh, are often suppressed and then later uh, it reemerges and if we could just grow up <laughs> and mm-hmm. be able to see this is something phenomenal let's see what it is but I think that when we have a worldview that makes us comfortable in the world, we're afraid to to look at something that might change that because it's it's our handle on reality, you know. But I, the one thing I worry about today is that, you know, we've had this worldview that we're nothing and uh, that it's, it's, a, it's nothing but matter. And it seems to me that there there are. there's weird a crossroads one is that millions and millions of people on this planet are having experiences of other dimensions of reality which quantum physics now knows exist uh, near-death experiencers for example absolutely there are millions of people who've had that experience and have been changed by it because it's like oh there is something more than matter and they have deep insights into reality and other dimensions and many of them come back with uh, abilities they didn't have before that experience so there are so many people who are also interested like these scientists who realize that with quantum physics we've got to go deeper and we've got to include a very great reality which is consciousness and these scientists Many of them, those who are in that position, are saying that, you know, of course there's more than matter. And as a matter of fact, consciousness is primary to matter. It is consciousness that creates matter. So when matter disappears, consciousness still exists. This is a huge change. Uh, So that is a whole... Move, there are many movements and people and scientists and mystics and artists and engineers going in that direction with that knowledge and having not only the scientific knowledge but the mystical experiences to go with it then there's another branch of brilliant people who uh, are but one might say a result of the old uh, worldview of there's nothing but matter And they are working, some are working very strongly in artificial intelligence um, and robotics. And some of their plans are somewhat sinister and without soul and not recognizing the soul and the beauty of becoming in the human species that all technology should be developed to enhance human life and all life on the planet and there are some who are going in an opposite direction for that Uh, one thing i realized in some of the for instance in old europe that's a culture that maria gembutis here at ucla had discovered that whatever technology they had nothing like what we have today that they, it was all to enhance the quality and value of life on this planet. That to me is a beautiful way of thinking in terms of technology. It's not mm-hmm. to, um, it's not to dominate or to make us into uh, something other with artificialness. I think artificial intelligence can be used, but to the enhancement of the spiritual. An intelligent life of the of the human being, so I see sure. those two directions going. I hope I'm making sense.
0: No, you are. It it makes me think of, well, it's 2020, and so where the whole globe is going through change, and uh, part of that is how do I deal with this change? And you know, everyone's going through that in, in different iterations. It, it makes me think of uh, the all the technology companies that are thriving today. One of which is Netflix. And Netflix has shown I mean they have Captain America I just watched The Old Guard if you haven't seen that that's pretty good and I think the new Wonder Woman's about to come out and the the reason why I bring those three movies out of out is because they were from a quantum physics standpoint yes it's current day but they were also around in time past and so they were kind of reclusive because we continued these patterns of uh, the uh, hope and wonder or wonderment, and then the whole the the whole suppression afterwards. And so I, I wanted to get your take on that. Because when you talk about artificial intelligence as well, it makes me think of last year with Facebook, they had a AI bot that they wanted to introduce. But then they found that the bots were speaking to each other, and we couldn't control that controlled environment. (laughs) That's
1: that's always a part of the story. (laughs) Well, so and and?
0: Yes, I I just wanted to get your take on the reticence of of we've been through this before. So don't we can't do kumbaya just yet. uh, Because there will come some part of suppression. Uh, It's just a pattern that we've seen to repeat. But I want to get you, your take on
1: it. you mean when when what emerges when
0: uh, well you're you're part of the science and medical network and so we're marrying these two worlds mm-hmm. and so uh, historically we were taught that it was junk DNA and now we're learning one man's junk is another man's treasure yeah. right Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> right right so so I was just wondering I mean it's we're at the impetus of field of something huge breakthroughs it feels like and not to not to belittle NDEs but it sounds it feels like the globe is going through a near-death experience a well, death I think you're, of exactly, our,
1: you're exactly right it are is. We
0: t- is that what we're like okay so if we're talking about junk DNA and we're talking about oh there's a finite life for just one school of thought we're afraid to embrace this new uh, Whatever is coming next because of that so how do you uh, it sounds like you're at the forefront of bringing us holding our hands into accepting new realities
1: well yes I think I think that it's very important to be rooted within our own DNA our own potential and become aware of the universe really it's remembering that we are the universe within and that we have the potential to experience so much of it uh, realizing that the that we need to be very careful in creating culture if we don't have that connection within us because mm-hmm. if we don't then we're going to create a culture that slides across the surface And then we'll use science, use technology, use artificial intelligence, not in a way that allows us to expand in our soul consciousness, but that Mm -hmm. takes that over and uses uh, that scientific knowledge in a detrimental way to our evolution.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the other side of that you are. I'm just thinking of the other side of it, where uh, the, it was popularized in the matrix, where one of the villains, he was a part of you know, Neo's camp. And then he said, You know what, I want to go back to the way I know that there's this universe within and all this good stuff. But I really want to go back to my old days. And I'm eating the steak. I know it's not real. If for those that remember the movie, it sounds a lot like 2020 here we are in the seventh month of the global pandemic and at least here in the states i'm here and outside of atlanta uh the the purveying message or feeling is back to normalcy back to being normal right so how do you bridge that gap of the fear of the unknown even though it could be better for us versus you know i want to just hold on to what i'm used to
1: Well, yeah, that is a real situation because familiarity makes us comfortable and the old normal was very dangerous and unconscious in many, many ways. And whereas there were many people in certain countries that were comfortable and doing well, so many places in the world were not. So the old normal won't survive we might have an illusion of going back to it, but it cannot survive given what we have already done on this planet. But uh, going forward, we might say, you know, it's it's being able to trust to trust the universe in a sense if we're taking it from the perspective of within, uh, and and be open to all possibilities. You might say. I think, though, I guess the point I'm trying to make is that. It's so important to first of all root ourselves in the heart consciousness to integrate the brain components with the heart so that we perceive with the heart consciousness so that we will use whatever we discover and and whether it's technology or anything else whatever we discover that we will use that for our own evolution and that evolution would be for the evolution of nature and animal and plant life, because we are all we are all living and evolving, and that is the root uh, should be the root of all creativity. Then we would use our technology and everything else in a courageous way of a loving universe. You might say uh, it almost sounds strange today to speak in that way, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, the uh, Nag Hammadi texts uh, were found in Egypt uh, right after World War II, uh, as were the Dead Sea Scrolls. These uh, texts, well, the Dead Sea Scrolls were lost for different reasons, but the Nag Hammadi texts uh, would have been destroyed. The church, Roman church, let uh, the priests there know that those texts would be destroyed if they didn't destroy them themselves. Well, they buried them, and we found them, well you know that when the church was formed, there were, there were many forms of Christianity around, and they used many different texts. But a group of men got together and decided which ones they would use. Uh, and they left out a great deal. And some of those that were left out were the Nagamati text. In those texts, there is a Jesus who does not teach what uh, w- the church taught, but he is saying that when, when you hear what I'm saying, when you drink from my mouth, you and I are one so his and then he said also if you will bring forth what is within you what you bring forth will save you but if you do not bring forth what is within you it will destroy you and I think that's a very wise statement and that's why I'm saying too is that you know we have the regulating principles that operate within us to bring about our own evolution if we don't get in touch with that then the things we construct in the outer world will not support that evolution necessarily so it's very very important that we go within and for several hundred years our culture didn't know what to make of that because there was no in. you know there is nothing to experience and If we think that way, then we can construct all kinds of technology that could be detrimental to releasing those principles of our evolution, that inner development in which we actually can achieve the consciousness that is called Christ consciousness or cosmic consciousness in which we bring together these dimensions of reality in time and space.
0: And so when you're bringing forth what, what is within you as you were stating uh, and you said that there is a huge difference from the book knowledge and experiencing I like for you to talk a little bit about what you were gathering in your research with the shamanic uh, journeying and then how that was enhanced after the transition of your son Oh, to, uh, on a personal level, you may not. Yeah, a little bit personal experience. You know, like?
1: in, uh, well, First of all, I should say that my husband was very tolerant of my interests, but they weren't his. He was a businessman. And sometimes when I would try to tell him, after my first experience uh, in a Peru, I saw he wasn't paying attention. <laughs> I said, you know, you're not really interested in this, are you? And he said what I thought was a really honest answer. He said, I have never had an experience like that. And there is no way I can understand what you're saying hmm. well it's true if we haven't I hadn't for a long time other than the dreams but I had studied other people's experiences but I hadn't had my own until I did go to Peru the first time and then especially after our son died but uh, once well just before uh, our son Pishdi uh, had his accident Uh, My husband, Istvan, was in his uh, office, and he suddenly saw uh, Pishti's car on the side of the freeway, superimposed on it. His body was superimposed on the car, and he knew he was dead because there were two different dimensions shown. And he, of course, was horrified, but then he heard himself say, oh, that's right, Pishti, it's almost time for you to do this. Uh And Pishti said to him, that's right, Dad, I'll be out of the house for a little while. Well, it was, he just completely went unconscious until of that experience until the call came through that she was in the trauma center and very seriously injured. Uh, and so that was my husband's first experience of it. I mean, he didn't know what it meant, I'll be out of the house for a little while, but uh, he realized later that his consciousness would return. And... Mm-hmm he wanted both of us Pishdi, our son wanted both of us to know that he was still alive and still creative and there was another dimension and of other dimensions of reality and he also wanted us to remember why we had chosen this time to be born mm-hmm. and so there was and he talked a lot about what the earth would be going through so for about two years until then my husband was killed we had very powerful uh, experiences with him. We recorded every experience that we had right after we had it, and I used that to write the book uh, so that I could be as accurate as possible with it. But it certainly changed his life. After his first experience, I remember he sat up on the side of the bed and said, I had no idea what you were talking about, none. And I n- will never look at the earth in the same way again and and that's what happens to us when we do have this and this is not just an experience for certain individuals it is every person's heritage uh, an, an example of Christ consciousness was I give that in the book to Sir Richard uh, Maurice Buck who was uh, still living at the beginning of the last century he was Walt Whitman's doctor but he was with a group of people. They were talking about music and poetry and all the things of their day that were soul-related, you might say. And in the carriage going home, he, he saw fire, and he thought, oh, no, the city's on fire. And then he realized that that light was in him. And he said, I have no idea how long that lasted, maybe just a few seconds, a few minutes, but it changed my life forever. And he also wrote a book then about cosmic consciousness, what he had experienced, and he gave that name to it. Um, But what he experienced was this total light and love and unity in the universe. And he knew that there is no death, that the earth is a living, living being, and that we are all divine. We're all part of this divine game and that there will be a time when we will all experience this and live in this consciousness he saw that as the next stage of consciousness which we would all have just as we all have ego consciousness as opposed to uh, much animal life but that we've all achieved all healthy people achieve an ego consciousness all people will achieve that cosmic consciousness in the future so that's when I'm saying that I think that if we get in touch, even if it's a sliver for a few seconds, we know and then we know something very different. I felt like I had lived in, as I say, in miracle of death, one square inch of, and of life, and called it reality. <laughs> that that had been the Western worldview, and when you get just a glimpse, uh, it's uh, you, you just it changes you, and you you work toward that evolution for all things and we just realize that all life is interconnected and certainly that all human beings have the same potential to achieve this and that therefore we use all of all of our science would be rooted in this knowledge and would support then our evolution the evolution of all life.
0: Now if we all have that within us, which I wholeheartedly agree with uh, there have been others that have thought ways to accelerate the process and so like you mentioned going to Peru and other places around the world uh, where you're experiencing either plant medicine or others uh, it does feel like an acceleration what unfortunately we do see that the West uh, their approach to it at least initially isn't like the world view so they may abuse it or you know they're they're not taking it as seriously uh, there's tons of videos of ayahuasca videos or salvia uh, divinorum videos of the bad effects of it just because maybe the approach wasn't there so now, how do you it, you're going to interject
1: How how what?
0: Oh I thought you were going to interject about that I was I, just wondering
1: Well no your, I didn't and I and I cut you off I'm sorry
0: I just wanted to know what's your take on the. There is a, a, a growing number of people that are looking for those accelerants, especially on the West Coast. There's this push for, uh, I think, even um, psilocybin in um, mm-hmm. Washington or Oregon. They're looking to legalize that. There's a lot of microdosing going on. Uh, what's your take on the uh, partaking of the plant medicine to accelerate mm-hmm. your experience?
1: Well, I from an an historical perspective I could say that from 40,000 we know from now from 40,000 around that time uh, BCE or ancestors uh, were developing techniques ritualistic techniques uh, or other other forms but they also did use sacred plants there was mushroom uh, evidence in the teeth of people at that time. So just not too long ago, that was discovered so that we can be pretty sure that they were using a uh, plant medicine. It was, they are called sacred. It's sacred medicine. It was not used to trip <laughs> in a sense or have a party with, you know, in the, in the sixties, uh, uh, at Harvard, I talked, a friend of mine had been there and, uh, LSD was uh, in the punch. They didn't even know they were drinking it and they were drinking alcohol to boot. they not good. <laughs> you know, it's just, he said that he had the experience that changed his life forever, but that it was very irresponsible of the person uh, who had the students over to, to do that. And I think that that is very irresponsible. Uh, the ancestors would have, they it was always in a sacred context and there was a preparation for it for instance, a mystery school at Eleusis in Greece uh, that probably lasted over 2,000 years. We know that they did drink a particular drink that was made from sacred plants, and everyone experienced a vision at the end of the initiation, and they all knew that there was no death. The Greeks felt that this was such a sacred tradition that if they lost it, the whole world would have lost a knowledge of who they are so it was considered as very sacred and the people who went to Eleusis were um, you might say it, the initiation last began long before they actually went to Eleusis so it was done in a sacred uh, serious uh, loving way uh, and uh, and I think that was true throughout. When I was in Peru, uh, the indigenous people used uh, uh, San Pedro. Mm-hmm. they certainly in ayahuasca as well. And uh, it was always, I, when I was in Peru, uh, one of the times we went to Lake Titicaca in Bolivia, all day we were alone. Each of us was alone and doing certain preparations uh, inwardly preparing ourselves for the ritual that night and then the ritual was hours of chanting in an old and ancient stone circle with a fire and uh, and the use of of San Pedro and the shaman came around with it but it was always the chan- chanting and we were in that place of meditation for hours so it was used in a, a very sacred way and Tremendous changes were possible through that use. Now, I must tell you, though, about the sand bushmen in Africa, in the Kalahari Desert. People didn't really understand how spiritually developed the sand people were, because they were about the time of the cave cultures, and maybe... A little bit later but they say that they've been doing their rituals for over 60,000 years and that may well be true they may have actually influenced the cave cultures but we don't know that through uh, physical evidence yet but they uh, for maybe 60,000 years have not only had rituals in which they do not use sacred medicine and I don't know what would be in the desert but they uh, anyway but they um, danced and sang and uh, m- many women as well as men became shamans but they danced and they would dance for hours and and there would be uh, bells on the ankles and they danced together and to achieve this state and there are thousands of uh, rock etchings talk about or talk about display their journeys into other dimensions of reality And there was a a man in this country uh, Bradford Keeney who had a vision a cosmic consciousness vision and he just he didn't know what to do with it in our culture he didn't know what to think about it it went on all night and the next morning and he went on later to Purdue and MIT and was invited to teach in a university in Africa South Africa I think and Two weeks, I think, or sometime like that, before he went, he had a dream, a very specific dream in which he was shown a map of where he was to go. and in the Kalahari desert, when he got there, he got a team, and they did go, and as he was to the sand, there were the place of the sand bushmen, and when he was going across the desert, the sand were running toward him, and when they greeted him, they said, we give you our greetings we have been waiting for you so they knew already he was coming and he worked on and off with them for over 20 years and was able to achieve this level of consciousness again uh not just spontaneously but he could trigger it himself now these people were really phenomenal because they could actually not only could they achieve this state And this energy but they could shape this this sounds really funny but it's true (laughs) they could shape the energy into like little arrows and actually throw it to someone to ignite them so that that would kind of awaken them too Uh, I -hmm. think there are just so many things about all of this that we're going to be learning and so my (laughs) briefer answer is that yes sacred medicine can be very important but that it has to be used in a sacred way But there are many many uh, universities and places that are doing uh, serious research on what are the effects of the medicine under certain conditions
0: sure now when you talk about shaping energy and throughout the hour we've been talking about the continuity and so if there's no beginning and there's no end then we could uh, determine when we want to incarnate in this realm currently and we can also determine our exit and so my two-part question is why do you feel first of all please accept my condolences for your family members um, but why do you feel that they all chose to exit in the same manner is the first part and then the second part is are they giving you separate messages because of their relationship with you or do you feel it's a united Message that they give you uh, as a theme.
1: You know, I first of all have to say that I didn't um, have any experiences with my mother um, until after my son died, and and met twice, and but the messages from my son and my husband were unified, very unified. And you know, it's a good question: why did they all go out in that way? I don't know, Uh, you know, uh, (laughs) uh, the older I get, the more I I think about those things. I I think no one wants to suffer terribly uh, physically before we die. Uh, I remember my mother used to say, I hope I go quickly, you know, and I, a friend of ours has just died who suffered for months, I mean, incredible pain, and uh, so I would think to myself, how I'm not choosing this, but my soul is. But let me just talk to my soul a little bit, you know. I do not want to go out with a great deal of pain. But then I had to finally just not worry about it. I didn't want to be a burden to anyone else. I would have to take care of, you know, all of those things that I didn't think about when I was young, but now I do. But I finally came to the conclusion that that's my soul's decision, and I will trust it. Whatever it is, I will trust Um mm. Maybe having no other choice, but at least I would say I came to terms with it. I don't know why they went that way. There was a there was a beauty in it in that it was quick. And it was we wondered because our son was thrown out of the car into the truck that was parked in front of him around the corner on the freeway with no signals or anything, and the driver had jumped the fence of the freeway, uh, that uh, he was thrown into it and then thrown back in the car. And I, in addition, afterwards, I, you know, was so concerned about the pain. And he said, I was out of my body before my body hit the truck. I felt mm-hmm. no pain. Mm-hmm. And I've heard that from many parents of that they, who've been in touch with their children later, that, you know, they were out of the body. So I'd, I don't know. I have to answer. I don't know. <laughs>
0: Sure, oh, no worries, no worries. Um, the <laughs> other thing that that you mention um, when when you talk about NDE and you know part of the outcome or back not backlash but the outcome is there they had that feeling and they wanted to stay, <laughs> you know, yeah. and they're like, no, you still have things to do yeah, here. No. <laughs> you I still know. know. <laughs> is it
1: so many? It's just so beautiful, and it's uh, and that's the. That's the world we can get in touch with through Christ or cosmic consciousness. Yeah, many of them. It's just, I don't want to go back to that. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> but we there's we do have meaning and purpose. We're creating that as well, and there's a reason for us to be here. <laughs> you know.
0: That actually leads to my last question. Uh, just respecting your time, uh, because. Uh, like we mentioned in the NBE, some of those folks come back but you know here in the States we're we're over at least in 2020 we're over 200,000 plus that have transitioned because of the pandemic what have you and it feels like on a global scale there's a collective agreement and those that are like you know what I don't I'm not ready for that transition after uh, 2020 and last year nobody could predict what would happen this year knowing what we know now if we can I mean it's important to focus on the present for sure, but are, are there any things knowing what you know that if you if Dr. Betty Kovacha put herself in October of twenty twenty one, what would it look like?
1: Hmm. <laughs> We're in the process of creating that and predictions are of course you didn't ask for that but i mean predictions are very difficult or even uh, notions of what will come are difficult uh because we're all in the process of creating and october of 2021 depends on what you and i and all of us do in october of 2020 (laughs) and going (laughs) forward because we are we create the world we live in you know it's not we can't blame a God that let things happen. We create and we co-create the world. Mm. And I, of course, it, I, I should say as quickly as I can that my husband had a, a very powerful uh, vision with our son, and our son uh, talked about and you know, the the changes that are coming. and it seemed very strong in our becoming aware of our own inner, creativity and immortality but he asked him to look up in the I Ching a particular hexagram and mm. it was about actually it was about working on what has decayed I talk mm. a lot about that in the book and gives much more detail makes more sense of it uh, and so it even later I drew the same hexagram and I knew that my work during this period would be on what in our culture what on our planet has decayed we need to know what are the causes of this decay and how can we transform it into life and so I think that uh, my son said to his dad he said dad read this hexagram carefully because it is your work meaning his and mine and it is the work of the world so I think when you said we're going through a dark night of the soul it is a darkness because all that we have submerged, given that we suppressed our own evolution, then all of that undeveloped darkness and unknowing has, and lack of development has shot up to the surface, and we're looking at it now around the world, and, and we're all a part of this darkness. All of these people are part of the species, so what is it? What role can I play in healing this that has been repressed and suppressed for several hundred years? So I think that we're going to be working on this. We're working on it now, and we will in the future. What I'm hoping for 21 is that we really will become more and more aware of who we are so that that soul principle, which our soul has the principles that organize reality in an evolutionary way, so I hope we will use all of our knowledge and our science to enhance the evolution of ourselves and the planet. And I think there's a good possibility. I think we're doing it now, and I just don't know what we'll have to go through as we look at who we are and work on on transforming ourselves, mm-hmm. rather than wanting to go back to an old, comfortable normal.
0: Right. Absolutely, and for those that that want to continue on with co-creating, um, it's really I think it's really uh, exciting. in that you mentioned that that hexagram with uh, the quantum mechanics of mathematics and how mathematics is life, and yeah. it just sounds like we we scratched the surface. And in this hour, of course, we bend time, and it felt like it was only ten minutes. I but know. Although, I looked at the clock. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but but for those that want to co-create with you I mean we in in this brief hour we you have two books uh, one that was just released and I'm sure people want to know more about you and how to get those books and as they prepare themselves for the future so how would they do that
1: well and I uh, well first of all my first book was miracle of death and that really it mm. shows my coming into a a complete awareness that there is no death, that we do continue. But the last one is the Emergence of Light. And that really, I think, is a guide to helping us understand our species in its effort to evolve and what has gone wrong and how we can help that. So both books uh, can be purchased any place where books are sold or eBooks, And they can also be uh, purchased through the Kamlak Center. That's K-A-M-L-A-K dot uh, and also there are other things on that you know things podcasts I've done <laughs> and interviews and and articles and things like that so yes we're all in this together and the, I've heard from people from so many places and it's encouraged me when I see what they're doing and how they've responded to this
0: yes definitely very exciting times and yeah, with yeah. that Yes. And, and with that, you have just been in tune to another episode of Intrinsic Motivation from a Homies Perspective. This is Hamza and Dr. Betty Kovash. It was a pleasure and let's stay in touch for sure.
1: I, yes, please. You ask wonderful questions and I thank you for that. It was, it was a pleasure altogether.
0: Thank you. Take care.
1: You too. <laughs> Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye.